Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And today we are breaking down, previewing, and predicting the GHSA Boys Basketball Elite Eight. Holy smokes, it is the Elite Eight. We saw plenty of upsets, plenty of head scratchers, plenty of eye-opening results, but... Before we get into that, I want to get on my pulpit. I want to stand up here and just say all this stuff. I know it's been the COVID season and everything, um, but I think when I see these people on Twitter complaining about, oh my God, they're not wearing masks or this, that, and the other, every section of the state is different. So some people take it a lot more serious than other. Others, whether it's a political thing or a whatever thing, there's different sections of the state that take it differently. Some places don't let fans in at all. Some places let it all, you know, everybody comes in. Some places say masks are, you have to wear masks. Some people say, uh, or some locations say um, masks are optional or you don't have to wear it. But I don't want to continue to see people calling out and say, oh my God, there's no mask in the stand. Unbelievable. Like if that was a case, so, so what, 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 what are we to expect? Like, so if we see a, a crowd that's not from our area and it's, you know, it's different from what we're used to and we see a crowd that's not wearing masks. So what's going to happen? Is everyone in that stands, are, are they all going to die? If they've been doing that all year, you know, like some of these schools that have not been wearing masks all season long in their, their stands, um, some of those schools aren't even having any players going into quarantine or any of this. And, like, people aren't dying in the stands here, folks. So, like, I think it is all on everybody as an individual to, okay, if you are not comfortable with it, wear a mask. I personally, I wear a mask. I am a high-risk individual with type 1 diabetes. I wear my mask. Do I like wearing a mask? Not necessarily, but I have gotten used to it, and I wear it. And it's not a big deal. Even when I went up to Northwest Georgia and no one else was wearing a mask, I wore my mask. It's all good. It's all good. And I, I'm not trying to get into this uh, political talk because I don't think it's political. I think it's just human being talk right now. But everybody has a personal choice and I think it's uh, personal responsibility. So let's not say, oh my God, they're not wearing masks and I don't want to bring my team up here and play these people because they're not wearing masks. Remember, folks... Vast majority of these games being played on the court, both teams are not wearing masks. Now, if you're sketched out about people in the stands not wearing masks, are your players playing basketball in the stands? No, they're not playing basketball in the stands, people. They're playing on the court. I don't think people are going to be hawking loogies at your players and spitting up and all this stuff. And now I know, oh, it's going to spit. I understand that. So if that was a, a huge issue, then tell your players to wear a mask. And all that good stuff. But I do just think it's a personal responsibility. If you need someone to tell you either way to wear a mask or to not wear a mask, do whatever makes you comfortable. I think it's prudent. I think it's a good idea to probably wear a mask at this. But I don't think it's to the point where we need to be shunning fan bases for not wearing a mask. And, oh, my God, I can't believe we're letting this happen that just because we're so we're so tight about this stuff that you know we, we can't have fans here or you have to have a mask on. If there's other areas across the state, 
that are not going by those guidelines and are playing by their own guidelines, and then we want to fall back and you know use the the test. We're we're worried about the safety of our kids. That's great. That's good. But if we ask those schools that aren't wearing masks, like okay, how many? corona cases have you had and they say oh yeah we've had like one all year or none all year like let's just put that stuff to rest we're almost done with the season everybody there is a thing called herd immunity as well which uh, again remember if you're a young a younger adult i mean everyone by now i hope you you know how to understand the statistics and understand okay there's high risk and then you know, young adults, and then, you know, only 1% of the people are contracting this, and out of the 1%, how much are are getting sick and showing bad system, symptoms. And of course, yeah, when it's bad, it's really, really bad, and you want to avoid that at all costs. So again, go to these games, wear your mask if you can. If you're in a, and if the school requires you to wear a mask, just wear a mask. And if not, if you go up to a place that's not wearing masks, and if you don't feel comfortable, don't cause a whole hullabaloo on Twitter. Just Go wear your mask up there. Hand sanitize. Do this. Do that. We're almost done with the season, everybody. You know this virus is not just going to disappear off the face of the earth. I know we're having vaccines, and that's good, and it's all good, and we're almost done to the season, but enough trying to shame some of these schools saying, oh, they're not wearing a mask. Okay, like if that was the case, then everyone should be dead at these schools. And sorry, folks, they're not all dead at these schools. They're still going to be out there supporting their teams. Uh, without a mask on so so be it and again if you go to one of those locations where you feel uncomfortable with these schools with their fans not wearing masks I don't know what to tell you other than suck it up put a mask on and wash your hands and be as socially distant as possible Uh, because again people we know how to understand the data and all this stuff but if a team wants to have home court advantage and they feel like they're they have everything under control and people aren't dropping with quarantines left and right then that is their prerogative. And again, it's about social responsibility. It's about personal responsibility. You can control what you can control. Don't worry about controlling things you cannot control. So with that, sorry we had to get that out of the way. I'm just just, just seeing this stuff on Twitter. It's just like, oh my gosh, oh my, oh my. it's such a packed. Okay, sorry, people. Some teams want to have a packed crowd. And again, I would probably wear a mask. But again, I am not going to bring out my, my, my scarlet letter and put it on someone or a school for, oh my God, they don't take it serious or they don't wear a mask. People, we know how to, to interpret the data by now. I don't know. Just look at the numbers and understand it. it's a 1% thing and all that stuff. So again, be as careful as possible. But again, I don't think it's right to call out other schools on Twitter and like, oh my God, what are they doing? They don't care. Relax, everybody. We're almost out of it. 7A! Let's jump right into it. I think we've talked enough about the coronavirus. Let's talk about the real pandemic. GHSA upsets. It's happening all over the state. And we start with Noonan, a four seed, upsetting Parkview in overtime. 83-76. A couple clutch free throws late helped force this game to overtime. And Noonan gets the job done, and now they see Milton, the juggernaut, 63-42 over Archer after it was a, a nip-and-tuck game at the half. Um, I think Milton wins this game by 20 to 30 points. Noonan has been really up and down. I mean, looking at the draw, okay, they played Walton in the first round. Pretty good draw for them. Parkview a little bit tougher, but Parkview, I mentioned 
on and on and on how it's really just three guys that score the ball. And you know, a lot of schools don't even have three good players, but a really good win for Noonan there nonetheless on the road. But now they run into Milton with Bruce Thornton and Kendall Campbell and Brock Bewell, Theo Kane and Carl. I don't need to name every single player on the roster we know by now. Noonan is going to have their hands full. I mean, they've been beat up badly by like Pebblebrook and teams of that ilk that they're going to see in McEachern. They've seen some of those top echelon teams and they haven't fared too well. And now you're seeing the pinnacle Milton at Milton. I, you know, maybe Milton doesn't come in focus. I don't think that's going to be the case. However, I think Milton's going to really um, wire to wire, really take it to Noonan. If Noonan wants to win this game, I think Dante Colton again, I think he's been an X factor throughout the postseason with his athleticism and length, blocking shots around the rim. I think Eric Smar is going to get have to get hot. Makai Medesley or Mosley uh, knocking down those shots on the perimeter um, and a couple other guys. You know, it's just going to be a, a by committee approach. But I just think Milton is just going to beat them and beat them very badly and put an end to this great, terrific Cinderella story. Coach Gatzmeyer, all those guys, they've been doing a great job. Um, can't say enough about what Coach Gatz has done. He has really turned that program around, but I think they run into the ultimate buzzsaw here. Next up, we have North Gwinnett, a 38-37 winner over Norcross after a missed free throw sealed the fate of Norcross. They played Pebblebrook a 87-59 win over Newton. Just domination. And North Gwinnett, this is a good defensive team. Roswell scored 50 points. Norcross scored 37 points. But now you're seeing Pebblebrook, who put up 84 on North Cup, 87 against Newton. Uh, it's going to be hard to slow down that high-power offense of Pebblebrook. I mean, this is a team that's been on a mission since the opening I would say tip. I guess the opening inbounds. I mean, they got on the recruit. I got on the uh, the transfer trail. They got some players that moved in. Um, you know, getting Aaron Reddish over there. He has really blossomed. Uh, Kamai Young has you know provided offensive firepower as well. They have some good young pieces, and then all these guys that were there as freshmen. Uh, you're looking at guys like Danny Stubbs going to Georgia State Region Player of the Year. Jamal Kleiss, Tyler Shirley, you got Georgia State and South Alabama right there. This team is flat out loaded. They have a lot of length. I think RJ Godfrey is going to have his hands full as a lone. You know, you know, him and Luke Keller, two big bodies inside for North Gannett, but they're gonna have to really protect the paint, really eliminate second chances. I think Thomas Allard's gonna have to knock down some open looks. And I think Brendan Rigsby, he had a, a really strong game. Just his overall motor and athleticism. His outside shot's going to have to be on, and he's going to be able to slash to the hoop. But I just think Pebblebrook, they just have too much offense. Plus, this game's at Pebblebrook. I think North Gwinnett can kind of muck it up for a little bit. But I think in the end, I think too much firepower for Pebblebrook. I have Pebblebrook advancing to the Final Four. Next up, Burkmar, 69-49 over Power Cherokee, pulled away throughout the game. They see Tiff County, a 45-43 winner over North Paulding. I was back and forth in that game. Pretty much played out how I expected, or how we predicted, at least in the last podcast. Tiff County at Tiff County. It's a difference maker. They find a way to pull it out. North Paulding's last second shot rolls right off the rim. And now again, Tiff County, they have Burkmar at home. But, I mean, this is by far the best team they have seen all year long. I know Tiff County is going to try and play that physical, tough defensive game, but um, 
if they're unable to do so and if talent just kind of wins out, this is a game Berkmar should probably win by 20-plus. I think Malik Ewing's just going to be a nightmare. Jamil Rydad is a two-way player with his offense and his defense. Jamari uh, Hill, uh, Dara Alande inside, just going to be tough and playing above the rim. Now, again, I think Tiff County is exceptionally well-coached. And talk about mucking it up. They're going to try and make this game as low-scoring and dirty and physical and rugged as possible. But gosh, it would be a huge upset. And we have seen Tiff County pull these huge upsets before. I think JT Warren's going to have to have um, just you know one of the best games of his career um, to, 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 to stay in this game and really give Tiff County a chance. And I think you're going to have to see some really good performances um, from their guards as well. Uh, Jameer Beckham has been really good throughout the season, but I just think Berkmar, looking at this game on paper, Berkmar should be about a 20 to 25 point favorite. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter. I think Tiff County is going to, as I said, make it a little grimy game, but I think Berkmar, their, Berkmar, their talent is just going to be way too much. I think they blow it open in the second half, and I think Berkmar gets to the Final Four. Next up, McEachern beats Grayson 57-56 in overtime. Chance Moore and Cam McDowell, strong games. Grayson's interior wasn't able to completely dominate. Turnovers down the stretch really hurt the Rams. And they go home early. And now McEachern sees Collins Hill, who comes back for a 73-65 win over Discovery. Now Collins Hill, we talked about it, press, 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 press. Going to attack all game long. Alpha Diallo, Vino Glover, um, Ethan Davis, Jabri Mills, Travis Hunter. All these guys are going to come at you in waves and waves and waves and waves. But McEachern, I think, an up-tempo style of game, turn this into an AAU travel ball game where it's up and down and defense, you know, it comes in spots, but make this a track meet as far as which team has the better thoroughbreds. McEachern has the better thoroughbreds. Um, you know, I just worry about Colin Sill with this trap. If, if McEachern's able to beat it and they get two-on-one fast break opportunities between McDowell and Chance Moore getting downhill, I think it could get ugly. I don't think it's going to be ugly. I think Colin Sill, they're playing really well right now. I think they're confident. And, you know, you're looking at this game is going to be at Collins Hill. But I just think, again, McEachern, they've been a better team all throughout the season. I think it's going to be hard uh, for Collins Hill to really contain those guys, especially with the amount of um, possessions there are likely going to be with how fast-paced this game probably should be. I think McEachern, it's in their favor, and I think McEachern will advance to the Final Four. Class 6A, let's get right into it. Evans bounces back from a sluggish first-round game against Effingham. They win 63-50 over Tucker, and now they get Centennial, a 66-58 winner over Winder Barrow. Um, this game is going to be at Evans, so in that Augusta area over there, CSRA. Centennial is a very balanced team, as is Evans. So, you know, we're talking about a, a game where both teams probably have five dudes that can get you, you know, 12 to 14 to 16 points any given night. Um, I picked Evans uh, as a as a bracket first opened up when I first did our, our, our initial preview podcast with the predictions. I really do like Centennial a lot. Logan Turner. KJ Spoonie's a good guard. Mr. Williamson, all these guys. Um, 
you know, Tyson Jones versus Wade Call inside. I think that could be an interesting matchup. Rashad King, Devin Story, Brazen James, list all these guys. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Evans might be a little bit more physical than Centennial, possibly. Don't quote me on that. I think Kyle Duncan's going to play a really big role for Centennial in this one. But, you know, I'm going to go with my original pick, even though I, I really do like Centennial, but I'm going to trust the Sandy Spiel rankings. I'm going to trust my initial pick. I'm going to trust the home court advantage. I'm going to go with Evans, but I see this game going right down to the wire. Really a coin flip game at this point. Up next, Wheeler 77-64 over Lanier. Beat the Longhorns for the second time this season. Versus Richmond Hill, 42-39 over North Atlanta. Now, there was a kerfuffle after the game for Richmond Hill, and there was a story written about, we will see if any suspensions happen. I'm thinking no. I'm very much so hoping no. It was after the horn. It did get a little ugly, but it wasn't. As horrible as what we saw with the beach girls. So it, it it wasn't great. It wasn't good. But it wasn't like, oh my god, we're putting this on World Star or anything like that. Um, they were able to kind of get it, you know, solved. It was a hard-fought emotional game. And Richmond Hill pulled out. Physical game. A lot of fouls. Um, but I hope Richmond Hill is at full strength. But even at full strength, Wheeler is going to be way too big. Isaiah Collier is going to attack them. Jaheim Hudson. I mean, Layden Finley, I love the UGA baseball commit inside for Richmond Hill. He's about 6'4", 6'5", but Jaheim Hudson going to Florida Gulf Coast. He is who makes Wheeler elite. You throw in 6'8". Caleb Washington going to Dayton on the perimeter. Um, Just list all the, the firepower and all the size. Max Harris, Kedrick Oliver. Wheeler is just going to have too much. Jaden Marshall is a terrific player um, for Richmond Hill, but I think Wheeler is going to gobble him up whenever he tries to go into the lane, and that's going to force him to try and take a little bit, you know, more outside shots than usual. And he's a capable outside shooter, but you know his game is getting downhill and playing bully ball at the rim. That's not going to work against Wheeler, I don't think. Braden Baker is going to have to shoot lights out. Liam Markriff as well. But I just think Wheelers, they're just going to be way too tough, way too big. I think they're going to kill them on the glass and defensively. Um, they're going to just lock this game down and really make it tough for Richmond Hill. But Richmond Hill, they do have home court advantage, but I just don't think they have enough firepower or the size to compete with Wheeler. So I think Wheeler, they just kind of impose their will, impose their will gradually over time, and they'll advance to the Final Four. Now we have Chattahoochee, 76-72 in overtime. I think they rallied from like a 13-point deficit to beat Buford. That's the heart of a champion, defending champ A.J. White. He's tough. He's not going to let his team go out without a fight. And now they see Lee County, 55-52 overtime winner over Brunswick. M.J. Taylor is officially a problem. He has been hitting big shots his entire career, and he's doing it again. He already has a 40-point outburst. Earlier in the season, and now it hits a dagger three to beat Brunswick and send them home. This game is at Lee County. It's going to be a tough environment. And again, with MJ Taylor on the floor, Lee County has a chance. Um, you know, he's just been, like I said, he's been coming up so big time and time and time again. But I do worry about who else is going to score the ball for Lee County. 
at a high enough level. I know Taylor's averaging about 15 points per game. Your second-leading scorer um, looks like, what is that, uh, Joseph Frazier, 8 points. Brackings, 8 points. Mosier, 7 points. It gets tough. A.J. White, okay, we said who's going to guard M.J. Taylor. Now who's going to guard A.J. White? He's a, what, over 2,000 point per game score his entire career. You know, pound for pound has been like the best scorer in the state of Georgia since he's been a freshman. You had in Jordan Brown as well. Keith Murray, Tommy Wall Adesoye with his athleticism. Gil Matondo inside as a forward. I just think Chattahoochee has been the better team throughout the season. A.J. White, okay, you know, you got a guy in M.J. Taylor that refused to let his team lose. Well, A.J. White is the same for his team, and he does it at a higher level and already has the hardware to show for it. I think Chattahoochee wins this game, but I do think Lee County can hang around, hang around, hang around. And Chattahoochee, I mean, they're susceptible to playing close games. They played close games all season long, but they usually pull them out. And I think Chattahoochee slowly pulls away in this game. I think it is going to be a you know a close game with four minutes remaining or so, but I do think Chattahoochee's just going to have the answers late, and I like the Cougars to advance back to the Final Four. Now we have Westlake 71-68 over Heritage in overtime. A great game. Westlake now sees Kell, who won 63-55 against Shiloh in a defensive struggle. A lot of charges were taken in this game. Westlake, they have the athletes. They have um, some guys. Jaleel McKee, Gaddis Heath has had a monster season. They're going to come, and they're going to attack Kell, I feel like. But Kell, at home, they've seen everything. You know, they're susceptible, again, to size. Westlake doesn't have elite size or, you know, big-time offense coming from the post. It's really going to come from those guards that I mentioned. So I think that is going to be um, an area where Kell should be okay against uh this Westlake team um but I do think Kill I I got them advancing Scoot Henderson he was uh you know kind of again held not you know not didn't go crazy he hasn't had a a monster game in the state playoffs but Jalen Harris has been so good um Najee Cologne has been a good defender Paris Johnson has stepped up um you know Aaron Smith is a battler on the glass so guys continue to step up for this Kill team and I think they're going to do it again, and they're going to step up, and they're going to go into the Final Four, going to get there at home. Five A, we have Tri Cities versus Saint Pius. A really, really good game. Two great, great programs. Tri Cities. Um, they're leaving, no doubt, right now. They blew the doors off of Locust Grove, 101 to 53. St. Pius pulled away in the fourth quarter from Blessed Trinity, 70 to 52. Two outstanding coaches in Aaron Parr of St. Pius and Omari Forts of Tri Cities. Great coaches. Um, so you got two great coaches. You have Tri Cities, who has more individual talent with Peyton Daniels of Vanderbilt. Um, but you know that culture of St. Pius is it's it's tough to match. Um, but remember, this Tri City team is pretty much all seniors. Um, they already have one state championship ring, not from last year, but the year before. They have that DNA. They have big, big game experience. They played just a gauntlet of a schedule throughout their careers. Um, so they're hungry. They're ready. They've seen everything. They're ready to get back to another state title. But St. Pius, you know, Brooks Collard is going to manipulate defenses with his passing. 
Uh, Trey Acklin, Cal Peterson, all these guys. Jack Farrell is 6'8 inside, has come a long way. He's provided some size, you know, good size in the paint. Haven't had much of that since Kennedy Willis, maybe. Um, but I just think Tri-Cities Devorian Rudolph is a six foot eight player who who can score inside, can also stretch the floor and block shots. Simeon Cottle is a really good passer. Devon Cottle knocks down shots. Peyton Daniels we already talked about. Um Alicia King or Elijah King actually. Um you got him. You got Mario McIntosh. You just got bodies and body Chancellor Johnson bodies and bodies and bodies and bodies and bodies of talented, talented, talented players. Tri Cities. It's gonna be at St. Pius. But I don't know if St. Pius is going to have full maximum capacity crowd. Now, if this was last year, like you saw what they did to America Sumter with, you know, the greatest home court advantage in the state of Georgia. I don't know if it's going to be able to be as full as years past. And they need everybody, every single golden line in the gym that day. Um, even if it was max capacity, I do think Tri-Cities is just a better team this year with a couple better players. And they are a senior-laden team. And again, this is a team that has won a state title before. So I think it's going to be a good game. But I do think Tri-Cities, they're just they, they're just hell-bent on winning a state title this year. And I have them winning the what? I got them winning the state championship. So that means I have to have them beating St. Pius in what should be a very entertaining, very good game. Now at the bottom of the poll, Clark Central, 71-57. Villarica made a little bit of a run there cut it to about six or seven points in the fourth quarter but Clark Central a lot of athletes a lot of multi-sport standouts they close the door on them and now they see Dutchtown who rallied for a 57-51 win over Jonesboro I have Dutchtown and you know just looking at my brackets I did have this Elite Eight matchup picked so no big surprise here but I do have Dutchtown Beating Clark Central, Cohen Carr with his athleticism. I think, again, you can get very far, especially in the lower levels, with having multi sport standouts and, you know, guys that are, probably, you know, maybe primarily football players or best known for their football players. But sometimes, you know, it comes down, you, you got to have some more skilled players at times. Like, I need some guy that can break you down off the dribble. And that doesn't mean Clark Central's not skilled, but sometimes I need some, you know, straight out full 100% basketball players that are going to play basketball at the next level, not necessarily football. And I just think Dutchtown might have a little bit more uh, of those. I think Micah Evans inside, I really think he is a an impactful player. He's, he's big physical scores around the rim. I know Clark Central has some strong guys as well, but I like him. Gary Richardson at the guard spot, he's seen some big games. And then Jared Waddell has impressed me with his outside shooting. So I do have Dutchtown. Uh, beating Clark Central, uh, you know, Rio Foster was a co-player of the year in that region, and Nono Mack is a football player, you know, I believe he plays on the outside, maybe a shutdown cornerback, uh, but I do think Dutchtown just going to have a little bit more of, you know, basketball acumen possibly, and I think Dutchtown pulls it out, but I think Clark Central is going to give them all they want and more, and, you know, maybe toughness wins in a game like this, and if that's the case, maybe Clark Central pulls it out, but Dutchtown, the defending state champs, I just like their roster, and I think they're going to be able to pull it out and make it to the Final Four. To the top right-hand side, Chapel Hill, 60-53 to over Lithonia. And as I was breaking down this game, you know, you're listing all the players of Chapel Hill, like, yeah, Chapel Hill has a pretty loaded roster. Lithonia, 
you know, it's two guys, Chase Champion and Raheem Swain, and, you know, some good role players, but Chapel Hill, like one through six, maybe, they could match up with a lot of teams in Class 5A as far as just pure talent goes. And now they're seeing veterans who handled their business. I told you that veterans defense is really good. 81-63. They take care of Woodward Academy. Just go ahead and handle their business. This is a team that is now, looks like, 23-0. They're a good team. This is a very good team. And they are going to continue to roll. And they're going up against a Chapel Hill team. As we just said, they have a lot of talent. But veterans, I I just really trust in this defense, and I trust in how many guys that can hit you up for points. I mean, you know, the other night against Woodward, it was it was Taj Williams, 24 points. Then you got the D'Angelo Haynes, or Hines goes for 17. TJ Grant, 15. Khalil Johnson, 8 points. So at 23-0, it's their first trip to the Elite 8 in school history. I think they're going to have their first trip to the Final Four in school history. I think they're going to be able to beat Chapel Hill, but, you know, K.J. Doucette, Makai Bell, Kelvin Hunter inside, Shai Shannon, all these dudes are very talented basketball players. They're going to have to play well. But if veteran shoots like they did, <laughs> you know, against uh, Woodward Academy where they were, you know, they hit 11 threes at one point. I don't know if that's what they finished with, but they were 11 of 26 from the three-point line. If they're hitting double-digit threes, they're going to make it very challenging on Chapel Hill because Chapel Hill – they can shoot the three-point shot, but I think a lot of their action, most of it, is more so getting downhill, getting downhill, getting out and running, and uh, I think Veterans is going to have an answer for that. Bottom right-hand side, let me take a swig of my water and let me choose my words carefully about this Eagles landing 84-43 win over Forest Park. I will start by saying, Congratulations to Eagles Landing. They got the monkey off their back. The curse is broken. That is why I went to that game. I wanted to exercise the demons of not being able to get out of the Sweet 16. They make it to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2013 when they won the state title. And that changes everything because, you know, looking at them, I think this is a team that can play for a state championship. The only reason I did not pick them to play for a state championship is because of the Sweet 16 curse. And, well, again... We see that talented teams aren't always the best overall teams. Um, Forest Park laid down and died in this game. There was zero effort. It was a horrific showing. It was an embarrassing showing, especially at the end of the game, just not even trying to get back on defense. And I think, you know, it's one thing to get beat. And, you know, you play hard and you get beat, but there was an effort in this game and it was it was hard to watch. And to be honest with you, I was planning on going to a game and watching on Saturday, but I still had a bad taste in my mouth from that Eagles Landing Forest Park game. And that really held me back from going to a game because, you know, it's this time of year, especially when you're you're a talented, you're a really good team like that. And to really just not even compete, that was that was tough to watch. But I will say from the Eagles landing side of things, David Thomas, I don't know how many times I have to say it. And again, you know, it was kind of a weird game. But again, I will say David Thomas, he has to be up there in the discussion with Kane and Carlisle and Isaiah Collier. I know I'm sorry he's not playing at a flashy superstar school that, 
you know, gets everything they want and more as far as this, you know, recognition. But I'm telling you, uh, David Thomas is that dude. He is a he is a fantastic player. 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, four steals, two blocks. Phenomenal body control, getting to the basket, scores at all three levels. I'm a broken record. He plays defense. He facilitates. He is a good athlete. He shoots a three. David Thomas is fantastic. He is he he could lead this team to a state championship. I don't know if it's this year. Maybe I'm not sure, but he's that good. And then AJ Barnes, who's a wing, but you know he just gobbles up rebounds. He grabs rebounds and he gets it and goes. He starts his own fast breaks. Eighteen points, fourteen rebounds, three assists, and four steals. This Eagles landing team is really good, and this Eagles landing team is going to make it to the Final Four. New Manchester, 59-52 over Decatur. I know I do have to mention that. But, you know, I-, I will say, I know we just broke through the glass ceiling and broke that curse of the Sweet 16, but this is a huge trap game. New Manchester, they've had a really good year. They're, you know, they came from a, not a great region. They don't have a bunch of superstar standouts. They do have a very good freshman. Um, but... This could be a trap game, but I, it is at New Manchester as well. So that that is something very big to look at. New Manchester is going to have Eagles Landing at home. And again, Coach James Bailey has done a great job with his, his roster this year considering how they, they graduated all their best players last year. But guys like Jordan Edmonds averaging over 10 points per game. We already mentioned Chase James Robinson, the freshman. Uh, Derek Early is a solid uh, interior player that plays with energy and can rebound. But I think Eagles Landing, they have seen the best, some of the best of the best. What's the record now? They're 26-1. and one. They broke through. Now I think it's time to get greedy and make it deep, 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 deep into the state tournament. I just don't see David Thomas letting this team have a, a lit-down game and losing in the Elite Eight. And with A.J. Barnes playing well and with all those other guards, Jalen Hand had a really nice game. Fabian De Silva provides some toughness. I like Eagles Landing to win this game and make it to the Final Four. Class 4A. What do we have in Class 4A? I know the South's got something to say, but, you know, we said going into this season, these are all going to be coin flip games this time of year, I feel like. The vast majority or coin flip games, and we know Class 4A was ridiculous to try and rank because all these teams are really on the same level, pretty equal across the board, and you just got to be better for 32 minutes, sometimes uh, a couple minutes extra if you go to overtime. But we have Bakari Bryant going into New Hampshire, picking up a 61-56 win. So Doherty, you know, they almost blew it. New Hampshire came on strong. If there was another quarter to be played, New Hampshire might have pulled it out. But Doherty, Road Warriors, gets the job done. But now they see Fayette County, an 84-46 winner over Cedartown, which is, you know, we we, we thought that was going to happen. Um, Fayette County, they had the best player left in the classification. And Caleb Banks, who is just trending into becoming a, a big-time high major, six foot eight wing that scores at all three levels and just is, can be unstoppable at times because he can shoot the three over defenders and crate off the dribble. He's a stud. Doherty, who do they have to defend him? Elijah West is a good, uh, you know, athletic football player. He's about a six two, 
wing guard type player. He's a, he's a nice player. I think Jaden Scheider inside at that six foot six can move bodies. But Fayette County, they're big. They're talented. They have good guard play. Terry Brown causes some issues as a six five point forward. Um, Tardell Bailey is long and gets on the rim and can clean up misses. I think Fayette County is going to have a lot of firepower, and this game's at Fayette County. Um, I don't think Fayette County is going to lose this game. I think Doherty is going to be just a gritty, you know, fight you tooth and nail and, and, and get after Fayette County. But I think Fayette County will find a way to extend this lead late and pull away. And, you know, I just I think it's going to come down to we have Caleb Banks. And you just you don't have a player like that at Doherty, but I think Doherty has had a fantastic season either way. And again, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this time of year, man, I mean anyone can win this game, especially when you have a great coach that has done it before and Bakari Bryant, and you know you you just come with some toughness and you're playing with house money. You're a big underdog here, um, but I am going to go with Fayette County. I think this is a a very good team, but I do want to see how they they match up with Doherty's you know attention to detail and defense. But I do think Fayette County, Caleb Banks is a trump card here. I think Fayette County wins. Next, Stevenson blows a huge lead, like a twenty-four point first quarter, first half lead to Cedar Shoals. They lose seventy-five sixty-six in overtime at Cedar Shoals. So Stevenson eliminated by Cedar Shoals again. Tough place to play at, especially when you have Rob Belton, best PA man on the mic in the state of Georgia. And he's going to be doing it again because the Jaguars have Westover coming to town, the three seed out of Region 1. They beat Spencer 50-49. to Spencer just couldn't rally in time, and there was a layup at the buzzer that won the game for Westover. But now you're heading to Cedar Shoals, home court advantage. Again, the crowd is going to be into it. But, you know, I don't know what to do here. Ladreco, Dreco Thomas, great to- great coach. I, I, I have to give him the coaching advantage here because he has taken teams deep into the tournament before. He's done it before. Um, but I just, I don't know. You know, you got the little guards. I mean, they had great games. Again, Kashik Brown, Jadavian Colbert. They're just finding ways to get the job done. And they were playing against a team that did have, you know, similar kind of smaller guards. And just looking at what they were able to do, you had Kashik Brown, 28 points. Colbert, 20 points. Elijah Curry put in 8 points. Ashton Haynes, 8 points. But I just, I don't know. This Westover team is tough. Isaac Beatty, he's going to erase a lot of shots in the lane. About six foot eight or so, jumps out of the gym. Um, Bam Wingfield is a solid guard that can pick and choose his spots and score. Um, Efren Smith, they got a, they got a, a, a decent amount of guys. Like Kamari Leverett, they can throw dudes at you. I don't think Westover has the the offensive firepower as Cedar Shoals does between those two guards. Um, gosh, I don't know who to pick, and I hate making these picks on the fly because again. These are coin flip games. Cedar Shoals, they, they have them at home. I think that could be a key factor here. But I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go at Westover. I think I'm gonna go at Westover. I just think Abidi is really good. He can cause a lot of issues. I think Roger Walker's gonna have to play well for Cedar Shoals, but again, I don't feel confident at all. I think Cedar Shoals 
has more of that been there, done that before mentality. But I'm going to go with Westover. They've been road dogs all postseason. They just won a wild game with Spencer. I think they might be riding high. They have confidence now. They're going to be going up against a, you know, a really tough Cedar Shoals team. And again, Rob Belton is going to play a big factor with his voice on the PA. Um, but I do think Westover finds a way into the Final Four to represent that Albany area. Next, to the top right, McDonough, 52-49 over Mays. Now they get Monroe, 71-49, winner over Carver-Columbus. I'm going with Monroe, Dominic Henderson. I feel like he will be the best player on the floor. And again, well, this time I'm leaning on a coach that does have the experience. B.J. Thomas has been very good for McDonough, but you're talking about Coach Hoffpower, who has taken his team to a state championship before um, McDonough is going to pose some issues with Amon McDowell and, of course, Jordan Gix. Um, but I do think Monroe, it's at Monroe. Long trip. I'm going with Monroe. I just think they've been a very good team all season long, and I think they're going to be able to get the job done. Bottom right-hand side. Now we get even crazier. Again, I could, I very well could go 0-4 in my picks this week. And that does not mean I don't know anything about the state of Georgia. Hopefully, hopefully you trust me that I do know a little bit. But that just tells you because, as I said, going into this year, there is no one juggernaut favorite. This is up in the air for anybody. It's just who wants to play five good games consecutively when it matters most. And Baldwin, they pulled it out 46-44 against Hardaway. They're undefeated, grinding out 14-0. and But they are definitely seeing the state playoffs much more difficult than region four right now and they see miller grove 60 to 51 over luella they rallied behind zaire green who has scored all of his points double digits maybe close to 17 19 somewhere in that area points in the second half leading miller grove uh, jamarcus glover had a big and one late in that game down the stretch um geez who would i pick i picked miller grove originally to make it to the final four i'm gonna stick with that baldwin coming to miller grove i think miller grove might be a little more physical across the board again i just oh i don't know i think miller grove you know it's it is miller grove they do expect to win it's tough i think baldwin i mean will freeman and company they're gonna have to play well jermiah simmons but Tyreek Boyd is a very good ball handler. He knows how to facilitate. I think Jamil Barber, with his length defensively at the three spot, I think he could be an important player in this game. So, again, I think we're going to have another down-to-the-wire game. But I'm going with Miller Grove to make it to the Final Four. We move on to Class 3A. 3A. What do we have? What do we say? What do we say? Um, looking at the brackets here, no huge surprises. I got seven out of my predicted eight Elite Eight teams in there. Thompson did beat Peach County, 80 to 77. I did get that one wrong, but let's stop it. Start at the top of the bracket. Johnson Savannah put it on Long County, 75-43, erasing memories of a close game last year. And but Sandy Creek did the same against White County. We knew that was going to be a really tough, bad matchup for White County. But ninety-five to thirty-seven, it was it was it was a first-round knockout of TKO. Now Sandy Creek versus Johnson. I mean, 
I just worry that we're going to see something similar to what we saw last year um, in Class 3A when Johnson met Pace Academy in the Final Four and they got whitewashed 75 to 46. I just, I just worry that possibly could happen again. I know coaching staff is going to come very ready for this game. They're, they have been doing their homework. Um, but Jabari Smith, I just worry about who is going to guard him. I know Jaheim Robinson is 6'6", 260 pounds. I expect him to play extremely physical and push Jabari Smith off the block as much as possible. But Jabari Smith is, gosh, it, I, let me see if I can pull it up in time. But Jabari Smith, he's what we said he's six foot ten, six foot eleven, maybe on a great day. Um, he can shoot the three point shot as well as some of the best guards in the state of Georgia. Just, just pulling this up. I mean, Jabari Smith. Um, he led the team in three-point shooting. He hit 69 out of 168 threes. That's 41%, folks. This is a, a future NBA lottery pick. So if you push Jabari Smith out to the three-point line, be careful what you wish for because you might be seeing three points on the board instead of two points. And then you got Miles Rice. Um, interested to see what kind of defense. Again, Johnson will run at these guys. Will they put Amandre Bowles or someone like that on Miles Rice, or will they play a zone? Because I, I feel like you got to cut off the head of the snake, and I think Rice is the head of the snake. I know Jabari Smith averaging twenty three and nine, and he is the star, but Miles Rice is the one that kind of starts the offense and can initiate things and can get it off the dribble and can spoon feed uh, Jabari Smith and J the Deshaun Proctor. So I worry about that with Johnson. I do think Antonio Baker possibly, maybe he could be like an X factor in this game. And, if he has a good game and is able to provide 15 points or so for this Johnson team, that could be a big lift. But I just worry, especially with the depth, um, Sandy Creek is deeper. I just think they're more talented across the board. There's, you know, Victor Newsom's only a sophomore. He's got D1 offers. Proctor, who we mentioned, is already, you know, playing. I guess it's Houston Baptist, a big physical kid that can get on the glass. You know, Makai Smith is, or Micah Smith's going to be a really big time player he'll be a d1 player so just a lot of options i just don't know and plus it's at sandy creek potentially the last home game of the career of jabari smith and miles rice and deshaun proctor i think they're going to come out laser focused I'm, I'm 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 going with sandy creek in this one um just talking to people I'm, this could be a 23 point spread 25 point spread i just think sandy creek is so laser focused right now I'll be very interested to see what Johnson can concoct and if they can put forth a great fight and really shake the cage and rattle um, Sandy Creek with a good effort and make this a close game heading into the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be tough. And with that being said, I am sticking with my original pick of Sandy Creek. Bottom left-hand side, Hart County 70-44 to over Cherokee Bluff. Sean Webb um, doing his thing is always just such a good player. I, you know, I harp on him enough. I don't think anyone else in the state talks about how good he is. Um, he's great. He's, uh, as I've said, he's a, he's probably a low to mid-major player. Uh, if, you know, he was able to play on maybe a, a shoe team or just a team that got covered more. I know he played with the South Carolina big shot, so he kind of got lost in transition with that. And then, you know, Hart County is a 3A school. People that don't know the state as well as maybe I do uh, don't know how good this program really, really is. Um, but, yeah, they're they're really tough to stop. He had a big game. And now they are playing 
Uh, Thompson, who they beat earlier in the season, eighty to seventy-seven. Well, Thompson won eighty to seventy-seven um, in this Sweet Sixteen matchup, is what I should say. But these two teams did hook up earlier. It was seventy-two to sixty-six. I think Hart County is not going to have an issue here. I know this game is going to be at Hart County. I think the Bulldogs, um, they're just they're just locked in right now. They're not going to lose to Thompson. I think Levante Ivory is going to have to have a big game, and they did have a really big game in their first meeting. But I just think you're seeing a team that is much like Sandy Creek, laser-focused, on a mission. J.C. Curry, Taj Johnson, and company. I have said it. I've been on the Hart County bandwagon since a couple years back. This team is advancing to the Final Four, and they will be playing Sandy Creek in the Final Four. Top right-hand side, what do we got? What do we got? Salem 64-41 over Dawson County. Just a tough matchup. Javen Flower-Smith, Gerard Taylor, just tough to keep in front. Um, they blew out Dawson County. And now you have Windsor 4, 64-41 winner over Appling County. I watched that game. Gage Lott, big 6'8 player for Appling, did not play. I did see Dare Smith. He's an imposing six foot six Georgia football commit, only a junior. Um, but yeah, Windsor Force out outside of a like a nine two start for Appling, I think seven zero to start as well. Windsor Force is a better team. They've seen better teams this year. Region one is still it's just it's not it's not that strong. But I I don't think Appling County embarrassed themselves by any means. I think this is a good team, and you know a twenty three point loss it is tough. I think if they did have their big guy, it would have been closer. But I still think Windsor Force the better team. Dante Bass. Was a monster on the glass, and then uh, Shamar Norman really got him off to a really quick start, and Cavalera was uh, a, a good game for him as well from the backcourt. So this game, I got Windsor Forest winning it, but again, I do feel like this could be a coin flip game. Salem is good. They have really good guard play. Again, they've seen the best of the best in Sandy Creek multiple times. I'm going with Windsor Forest. Um, it's going to be at Windsor Forest, so that's at home court advantage, that trip down south. But Wallace Corker is a very good coach, and they have a lot of pieces over there at Salem. I think it's going to be tough. I think Windsor Forest finds a way. But trust me, I'm not surprised at all if Salem wins. Salem's a very good team, but I'm going to stick with my original pick of Windsor Forest. And now, of course, the rematch we've all been waiting for. Cross Creek 60-52 over America Sumter. Lafayette 63-54 over GAC. And now these two teams meet again. A game that I was at, what, last year? Maybe I could pull it up and give you the exact breakdown. Um, This was a game that Cross Creek was down, what, about 15 points at the half against this Lafayette team last year, in the Elite Eight, in the exact same spot, Dan Priest Arena, the exact same location. Um, but they came surging back, and it was Kobe Stewart, and it was their other big boy, football player. I, you know, Name escapes me off the top of my head, but that was a big body. They just started to say, hey, we're bigger than you, and we're going to play like we're bigger than you. And that is what they did um, down the stretch. And they just overpowered them in that second half. And it was, what, 58-55, I believe, was the final score. So, what has changed this year? What has changed this year? Before I tell you that, let me make sure I pull it, pull up um, exactly what happened in that game last year with the final stats. Because I think that will tell us a story. Uh, da, 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 da. As we scroll on. Yes, yeah, so just looking at it. 
who made big plays down the stretch for Cross Creek. Um, it was, um, you know, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. It, it escapes me, but we did have a big 14-point effort, and I'll pull it up for you. Uh, but he has since graduated. Um, where I do think Cross Creek has gotten better this year is at the guard position. Devin Pope was not much of a factor uh, last year in the games I saw, but now he's averaging about 18 points per game. Um, the player that was making plays on the stretch was uh, Mackay Clymans. He had a big game, and I think uh, Andre Herbert played well defensively. But Markel, Markel Ware, the big football player, six foot six, probably about 250, 60 pounds, he is gone. Kobe Stewart, who was 6'7", he is gone. So what do I see? You know, Kobe Stewart led that team with 17 points. Clymans had 14 points. Corey Trotter had 14 points, 15 rebounds, and two blocks, and he is going to be a big issue. But the leading scorer for Lafayette last year in that 58-55 loss was Asa Deal, 18 points, but that was just spoon-fed um, layups. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting game. And now let me break it down. I know I'm kind of all over the place. I'm just trying to collect my thoughts. But where I think Cross Creek is better, I already mentioned Devin Pope is playing much better this year. But – Richard Visitation, he is going to be a problem. He is a true point guard, super quick, and can distribute the ball. Now, Jalen Ramsey and Junior Barber, they're quick guards. I think they're going to be able to match the foot speed for the most part. But just overall, point guard skill-wise, I think Richard Visitation is going to play a really big role in this game. As is, of course, Corey Trotter. He killed them last year inside. uh, Killed the Fayette, that is, inside. Um, You know, just post moves and just big body and gets on the glass. Um, just looking at Lafayette now, Lafayette's going to be taller this year. Aiden Hathaway was maybe about 6'5 and a half last year. He stands 6'7. He's going to be the tallest player on the floor. And he didn't have a great game in their 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 matchup last year. Had 10 points, 6 rebounds. Cameron Porter, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Jalen Ramsey, 13 points and 6 assists. And he had a really successful time driving into the lane and creating for others. And like I said, I think Richard Visitation is going to have quick enough feet. I think they're both going to be able to defend each other, and that could really you know, lessen what Lafayette can do because they run that dribble weave, that handoff on the side, and then look for some mismatches here and there. And I think if Cross Creek is able to shut down shut down those driving lanes and kind of limit Jalen Ramsey from getting those cheapies just going to the hoop and distributing, it, it's going to be a different game. Um, so, but again... What what do I have here? I think Lafayette, whereas Cross Creek is better at the guard position, I do think they lose a lot of what they had their advantage in inside with Stewart and then Ware. And I think that could potentially um, hurt them. Corey Trotter is going to be big, but I just think Lafayette, it's going to be at Lafayette. Now, I know Cross Creek has been there before, and they have officially done that before, but they were down 31-16 at the half last year, and they just – started jacking threes and shooting threes and launching them up from the perimeter. And that was a scouting report on them last year. I think it might have changed a little bit, maybe, hopefully for their sake this year. But when they went inside, they dominated the fit. They don't have as much inside to dominate with. I think they're going to be more well-balanced with visitation running the show. But I think Lafayette, I think Aiden Hathaway, Aiden Hathaway is going to have a, a strong game. I think Deshaun uh, not Deshaun, DeCameron Porter is going to have a really big game as well. Um, so, again, I'm sticking with my pick. I'm going Lafayette. Again, I'm looking at key players here. Aiden Hathaway 
And I'm looking at Jalen Ramsey for Lafayette. And for Cross Creek, I'm looking at Richard Visitation and Corey Trotter. Even though Devin Pope is leading him in scoring at 18 points per game, I think if you look at what those four guys do, those two guys for their respective teams, and see who has a bigger game, that might lead you into seeing who will win this game. But again, I'm sticking with my original pick, Lafayette, the Ramblers at home. I think they know what to do now. They have that bad memory of last year, and I just don't think Cross Creek is going to have that same you know, Kobe Stewart-type player on the perimeter that was just we couldn't match up with them last year. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Lafayette at home, they just came off a good win over GAC. They will advance to the Final Four. It's time for Class 2A. What do we have in Class 2A? Well, we have the heavy favorite in Pace Academy, but is there anybody that can compete with them? Let's find out. Top left-hand side, Washington County, 61. West side, 51. Waco moves on where they'll see Columbia, 57-56. Again, Columbia just kind of struggling. I know they're the road team, but Columbia is so loaded. And they struggle again. And it's just, ugh. And again, you know, Cowley, good team, little quick guards. And you thought, give a fight. But again, you just you want to see Columbia just say, hey, we're better than you. We're just bigger than you. We're better than you. And we're going to put down our, our, our foot on your throat and take care of you. That hasn't been the case so far. And I don't think that's going to be the case again when they have to travel to Washington County and Sandersville. That's going to be tough. Washington County is a is a good team, a very good program. Carlos Hope was a coach of the year in Region 3. Kawan Bloodsaw, first-teamer. Um, Jarius Brown was a first-teamer. You got Caleb Moore, Javecchio Thomas. So they got good guards. You got a little bit of size inside. Um, Columbia, they're, you know, Columbia is just, they're loaded. And again, it's so easy to pick Columbia. I would pick Columbia time and time again. Um, Kawasaki Ricks is a really good playmaker, led DeKalb County in assists again at about seven a game. Mason Lockhart, double-double machine, a D1 prospect, 6'6 junior. Julius Lyman provides power inside. You got very good shooters on the perimeter. But it hasn't all come together for a perfect game where we, you know, you win by 15 or 20 points. Every game has been a nail-biter, and it just scares me. And... Again, you know, I'm going to pick Columbia to beat Washington County because, again, they they have such a roster where if you want to play inside, we can beat you inside. If you want to play outside, you know, individual uh, one-on-one, we can get to the rack. If you want to play outside and dish it to our three-point shooters, we have shooters on the perimeter, a couple guys shooting over 40%. Like, they have all the pieces. It's about focus. It's about execution. I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tight. But again, I have to go with Columbia. But I think Washington County is going to push them to the brink. This is a game that's going to go down to the wire. I don't foresee Columbia just flipping the switch and then, okay, yeah, we're going to win by 10, 15 points. No, I think it's going to be a close game. But I do think Columbia finds a way to get it done. Next up, we have Lovett, 74-45 over Elbert County. Ryan Matembo has a field day inside Georgetown. Seven-footers, too big. For the Blue Devils. And Swainsboro, 74-68 in overtime versus Laney. Okay, Swainsboro's a very good team. 
Not quite as good as last year, but still a very good team. Laney scares me. Laney attacks you defensively. Now, I don't think Lovett's going to do the, quite the same. Uh, they're not going to have quite the athletes that Laney has, um, but they are going to have size inside. And, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup. I mean, Frederick Sebra is really going to have to bring it. Uh, I think DJ Kelly's going to have to have a good game. He's going to have to fly around and block a lot of shots, or DJ Jones, uh, that is, and Tyler Kelly, their three-point shooter. So I think everyone's going to have to play really well. They're going to have to play better than they did against Laney. Um, I do worry because Swainsboro, the Seabro twins, they get their points inside. Now, Frederick can step outside and shoot the three, but he's more of a bully ball inside type guy. Oh, man. Well, Matumbo, he's 6'11", 7 foot. He's going to block a lot of those shots. Now, those Seabro twins are better athletes than Mutumba, but you know, that's a six foot four guy jumping into a seven footer. That you know, that's that's really tough. That's really, really tough. Now, where they could potentially get him is their second leaps, you know, get off the floor quicker than he can get back down. But still, that that length is gonna be an issue, and Christian Anderson can score the ball on the perimeter as he has all season long. So I I am scared about this game. I am scared about this game for Swainsboro, who I do pick. I have them advancing. And, you know, you know what a, a key factor here is this game is going to be at the den in Swainsboro. We know it is tough to win at Swainsboro this time of year for what, whatever reason. It is tough to win there. They have a really good team, and then they got a great home court advantage. Very tough, but... You know, I don't know if Ryan Matemba is going to replicate his 34 points and 7 blocks from the first round, but Swainsboro, if they win this game, I think it's going to be them attacking with their press. It's going to be them speeding this game up, making sure Matemba is not as big of a factor as, you know, Lovett just, you know, they want to get it into a half-court game and pound it inside to Matumbo and play off him and get their shooters some open looks. But if they can make this a full, you know, a 94-foot game, 84-foot, you know, however big these courts are nowadays, if they can make this an up-and-down track meet type of game, that's where Swainsboro is going to have the advantage. they got to get Seabro going downhill and going downhill before Mutumbo is there to alter those shots at the rim. Going to be tough, but I am sticking with my original pick, Swainsboro. Seabro twins, they're tough, and Derek Kelly, um, or geez, I keep messing that up. Derek Jones, his just overall athleticism, flying around and blocking shots. I think he will be a key piece as well. So I'm going with Swainsboro. I think it's going to be tough, but I am going with Swainsboro to beat. Love it. Top right hand side, Rabin County. Nine-win team, everybody. 53-47. Poor hungry dogs. They went home very hungry and very poor after an upset loss to Rabin County. And this, you know, this shaped up nicely for Model to make it to the Elite Eight. Hey, we beat Chattooga. We have things in our advantage. We get past a really tough athletic Kip Atlanta team. And now we see Rabin County. And we lose 53-47. And Rabin County, they are just, you know, they're playing good basketball. And you know who they're playing good basketball with? It, it just has to be um, th- this stud over here, Connor uh, McKay, only a junior, I want to say. He has just really taken his game to the next level. I know he averages monster output. Uh, he's only about maybe 6'2", 6'3", somewhere in that ballpark. But he did it again. Against Model, 12 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks, 
averaging 22 points, 19 rebounds, 5 assists, and 6 blocks in the playoffs. Hello, my name is Connor McKay. Get to know me. He is carrying this team. They will play Thomasville. 82-62 winner at home at Woodville. Game is at Thomasville. Clifford Davis is a beast. This is a senior-laden team. I think Thomasville ends the Cinderella story of Rabin County. Um, this is going to be a, you know, a team that's going to have a lot of very good athletes. I know Clifford Davis plays above the rim, and he can pull up from legit 30 feet and knock down threes. So I think he is going to lead this team. They had a nice win over Woodville. I think they're going to really challenge Rabin County. I think it's going to be tough for Rabin County. I know McKay is going to get his, but, I mean, if you're Thomasville, it's just let's just make sure this guy doesn't go absolutely insane. He's going to get his rebounds. He is a very good, strong athlete, but I think Thomasville is just going to have more scoring options, and then Clifford Davis is going to be able to get to the basket and score without a lot of rim protection. Uh, well, you know, Outside of McKay, I, I guess I would say, but he has that explosiveness to get to the rim. Um, and I think he can stretch out the defense with the threes, but Rapin County, you know, they're going to have a really good scouting report, and this is Cinderella story right here. This is why you love GHSA basketball. This is why you love the state playoffs. This is why you love the state tournament. This is it, but I think Thomasville turns them into a pumpkin at midnight. I think the Bulldogs get to the Final Four. Bottom right-hand side, Butler 76, Tombs County 25, uh... 18 and 19, what, 8 and 19 overall record for Tombs County at the end of the season. This was a team that kind of got, you know, they, they did get that 2C because Woodville had to forfeit due to quarantine and send themselves to the 3 4 game in Region 2 instead of potentially playing in the semifinals and making it to the 1 2 seed game. But with that being said, yeah, Tombs County got. They got blown out. And Butler, now they see Pace Academy, who was tied. I think they were tied at the half. About 25, 25, 23, 23, somewhere in that elk. Uh, but Banks County, but then they blew the doors off 70 to 40. Uh, I think Pace County is just going to overpower Butler again. I think Butler, a good team, but I just don't think they're going to be able to shoot the ball well enough. I don't know if they're going to be able to lock down um, Pace Academy. Because if you're, you're, if you're going to beat Pace, you're going to have to be super well coached. Very patient on offense. Going to have to hit open shots and play very good defense. Butler might check a few of those boxes, but if they turn this into an up-and-down game, I think they're going to be in trouble. I think Kadar Bodie is going to have to play the game of his life. Ronnie Striggles is going to have to protect the ball. I think that's going to be the key thing, protect the ball and facilitate. And then, uh, you know, Trayvon Perry and Zabria Boozer inside. So they do have they do have some length. They do have some size. Even, uh, what is it, Chance Finkling. At, you know, he's long. He's about 6'6". He can block some shots. So they do have some size inside. But I just think that is just such a such a tall task to uh, kind of compete with these guys. Uh, it's going to be difficult. I think Pace Academy, at Pace Academy, I just think they're just – there's just going to be too much, too much. I think Butler can give them a game for a little while, but I think Pace Academy we might see a similar thing as to Banks County. A tight game in the first half, but then Pace Academy really just imposes their will and takes care of business. We move on to Class 1A Private. What do we have in Class 1A Private? Well... Looking at the brackets, do we have a whole lot of surprises? 
Nope, just Savannah Country Day beat Stratford Academy. That was the one Elite Eight game I got wrong, but we did have some really good games that went down to the wire. Savannah Country Day 74-69 over Stratford. Now they see uh, Holy Innocence, who pulled out a 41-35 game against Darlington. Holy Innocence, you know, they're not, you know, against good teams, they're not going to score a whole lot. They're a team that plays good defense, um, and they, they were able to grind one out against Darlington. And I think it's going to be tough for Savannah Country Day. Maybe they can pull some stops here. Eric Brown, Greg Grayson, uh, you know, all these guys, all region picks. But I just think it's, it is going to be tough. Holy Innocence with, huh, with Garrison Powell, he had, what, about 25 points or so against Darlington, half their team's points. He had a big game. Justin Wilson is li- uh, you know, likely liable to have a, a, a good out outburst landing cardian battles inside walker wolf you know all these guys just really really know their role and play to their role well and coach mays does a great job switching up defenses one through one a little bit this a little bit that um they change it up a lot and i think that's going to be tough for savannah country day and they're going to be able to confuse them and it's going to be the best team savannah country day has seen all season long and you know holy instance a really good team they're not the pinnacle of class a private but they're a well-coached team they do have a d1 player in garrison pal and justin wilson is one of the better guards in class a private and i think holy innocence will win this game it's not going to be a blowout by any means but i do think holy innocence advances bottom left hand side St. Francis, I stayed true to my initial pick, even without Seth Hubbard. I'm thankful I did. They pulled out a 45-42 win over Galloway. Galloway hit some threes down the stretch to make it close, and they had some opportunities, but Son Holt was just way too good. Alabama, six foot six. He hit some tough shots. I mean, baseline turnarounds, flying to the rim, getting to the rack, and finishing. Uh, he was really good. And the, you know what separated here? Um, St. Francis was longer, they had more size, and they just, you know, outside of Anthony Arrington, I mean, such a burden is on him to score. Now, they could fill it up from the three-point line, but if those guys aren't consistently hitting shots, it's just, it's tough to score. And, you know, you saw it, 45-42, that's a really low-scoring game for both those teams. But St. Francis, they get Green Force, 51-48. They get their revenge over uh, Trinity Christian, one of their lone losses in class a private this year so that was a a big win and they're gonna have home court advantage again now against st francis um i think green force i'm going with green force because they do have a full deck this is a rematch of last year's state championship game which was not pretty for green force but st francis are just they're missing too many guys i, I think coach catlett has done just a, a really really nice job with piecing it together now i do know uh they still have a stud uh leading the way in holt but you know he's just piecing it together with guys that probably going into the season weren't expecting to play huge roles but they are thrusted into huge roles i mean you saw drew robinson he's been playing really big minutes Uh, i saw toby Gaines out there a lot of guys i mean uh, kai simmons has been big just using his his length and his finish around the rim he's put together a nice senior year um but green force is just a, a tough task with chase cormier um guy Chol, you know list all these guys J- jalen force they're just a really tough team and i think 
they're just going to have a lot of guys. And I just think it's just going to be way too many bodies they're going to throw at St. Francis. St. Francis, especially if Seth Hubbard's not back, a dynamic scorer that averaged 18 points per game that could shoot the three and get to the rack with athleticism. And if he's not back, it's just – I just don't know where they're going to get enough scoring from outside of Jusson Holt. So it's going to make it super tough. And for that reason, I have Green Force advancing on to the Final Four. Top right-hand side, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be at this Elite Eight game. Christian Heritage, 68-56 over Athens Academy, and they will play FPD, 67-43 winners over Savannah Christian. This game will be at FPD in Macon. What do we have to expect? FPD with those quick guards. Jordan Jones, I keep saying it, he scored 60 points in a game this year. He can fill it up. He's really, really good, and I'm so excited to finally be able to see him play. Jay King, a really good savvy floor game, um, shoots at a very high percentage and scores at multiple levels as well. And, you know, Jalen Goodrum and a couple other guys, you know, they don't have a ton of size, but they have solid guard play, and they've been good all season long. Like, you know, hey, we're sitting at, oh, boy, what is it, 22-1 right now, if I'm not mistaken, 21-1, 22-1. They had that first-round forfeit, actually. As I as I take a peek at this, I guess it was a COVID case for uh, Heritage, so they didn't even get to play a first round game. Um, but they came out, good win, take care of business against Savannah Christian. So what do we have here? Christian Heritage, a very good defensive team, very well coached team. Coach Watkins does a terrific job. You got some size and physicality inside, and Evan Lester, a football player, now. This game, if it gets into a, a, a push-pull match, I think Christian Heritage is more physical. They could be tougher inside, and that could be an issue for FPD. Um, and then you have Jax Abernathy, the freshman region player of the year. Uh, they're going to have to do a good job on him. I think he had 23 points against Athens Academy. Uh, I think FPD, it's just going to come down to whether Christian Heritage, what, depends on their defense, but are they going to be quick enough and are they going to be able – to defend Jones and King on the perimeter because they can create their own shots and they're very dangerous. If Christian Heritage can do that, I think Christian Heritage wins this game. Um, But I think FPD, magical season, Jordan Jones, this is a team that has been very good throughout the year. Haven't seen great competition, but I just think the electricity between those two of Jones and King could lift them to the next round. I think um, think you're going to see... Uh, Christian Heritage going to get some big minutes from their young guys. We already talked about Jax Abernathy, but I think a, a, another big game uh, could be Zundra Jackson, the freshman guard, really good little guard for Christian Heritage. I think he's going to have a very good career, but I, I'm sticking with my original pick. I think FPD at home, Jordan Jones scores all over the floor. Um, might be a little might be a little bit of an underdog going into this game because Christian Heritage has had more success traditionally than FPD, but going with first Presbyterian day, I think they find a way to grind it out. I just think Jones might be able to get enough offense to shoot past Christian Heritage, but I do think this is going to be a good game and really a coin flip. Bottom right-hand side, Saka almost just shook it all up. They lose 67-65, St. Ampicelli. You're talking about Ian Matthews with the great quick hands. A big fell with the steal goes down, loses the ball on the layup. But you have Deuce, Travis Harper the second with the tip-in at the buzzer and pandemonium. February frenzy is happening in Columbus. They survive Saka. And now they see Mount Pisgah, a game I was going to go to. I did not go to. Don't really know what happened, but Mount Pisgah was up 40-15 to on Providence Christian to start the game. 
Ended up winning 62 to 50. Now, Mount Pisgah is my state championship team and my pick. And I guess I feel good about that with how they did that against Providence Christian. I, I think this is going to be, you know, again, an interesting game. St. Ampicelli, it's, I think Pisgah might be deeper. They're going to have big guards at every single position. You know, Chase Tucker's not big, but he's a really good three point shooter. You got Cash Grady, Jojo Peterson. Going to uh, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. I think Nate Gordon plays a big role in this game with his rim protection and his rebounding. Um, I think we're going to look at San Ampicelli. Are they going to be able to get some help around Matthews and uh, Harper? And they, they've they've gotten that. Pierre Summers has been so key for them, and Keyshawn Felician uh, has been really good throughout the year. It's going to be those secondary players. I think Mount Pisgah at home, I, I like Mount Pisgah. Again, I picked them to win the state championship. I think they're just going to have a couple more dudes, a little bit more depth than St. Anne Pacelli. I think St. Anne keeps us a close game going into the fourth quarter. They will certainly have a chance at it. Um, but I just think Mount Pisgah, they're built for it, and I think they're going to find a way to make it to the Final Four. Last up, we have Class A Public. We had a couple scary ones, everybody. Um, but we had Portal 61-52 over Pelham. This team has absolutely rolled since I've seen them play when they beat Claxton. They haven't lost since. They're playing great basketball. And now they get Chattahoochee County 64-47 winner over Best Academy. So this game's going to be in uh or is it Cusetta, Georgia, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Uh Cusetta. So this is gonna be a, a a trip for Portal. Trust me, it's it's gonna be a trip for them. Um, it's gonna be a, a good game. I think it really is. I mean, Chattahoochee County they're they're led by some good guards. They can score the ball. They they play good defense. Coach Battles done a fantastic job. Uh, their go to guy is Dexter Hallman, more of a a swingman type player, about six foot four, a little inside action, slash into the rim, can gets on the glass, has some really long arms, really good rebounder. Um, but is he going to be able to do that against Amir Jackson, the six foot five freshman, and Fred Spells, six foot seven shot blocker, who erases everything? And again, Elijah Coleman, so good for Portal down the stretch, and you know even what is it, Joseph Thomas? He takes some again. I I watch a little bit of the game. He takes some not good shots, but he had a good output. Scored about twenty points or so, I think, in this last game. Um, he just has to, <laughs> he really just has to take better shots and not get so whirling dervish out there. Uh, but he had 20 points. He was eight of 19 from the field and that win over Pelham. So if he shoots a good percentage, um, you know, portals in good shape. So Coleman had 20 points. Thomas had 20 points in the win over Pelham. Amir Jackson had nine points. Fred spells. Um, he went for eight points, 10 rebounds, and of course block seven shots. So, it's going to be tough for Chatco, especially inside the paint. A lot of those shots are going to be turned back by either Jackson or Fred Spells. I'm going with my original pick of Portal. I know they have three freshmen leading the way and then Spells a senior, but I just think they just have such a good nucleus. Just two, you know, two really good guards that can score the ball. One in Coleman that is a great ball handler and can get to the rack. You have Jackson, a strong guy that scores inside with his back to the basket. And then you have an elite shot blocker. I just love the pieces that Portal has. They're going to challenge Chattahoochee County inside. And I'm going with Portal. Bottom left-hand side, Towns County, 77-67 over Warren County. I heard we had a monster game from Jake uh, McTaggart. 
Um, he, he's good. He's a powerful guy. When he wants to dominate in the paint, he can really do so. And I think that's what you've been seeing down the stretch here. Um, very impressed with what he has been able to do. And he has some, um, you know, he has Towns County in the Elite Eight. And he went for 26 points. Colby Moss at 19. Aiden Barong, 13 points. Again, not 100% sure if Caleb Ellis is back. I, or not sure. Don't, maybe don't think he is. And that, you know, that's a big, a big guard, or not a big guard, but a big player for their team as far as the guard play goes. Uh, you really need him um, to make a deep run. But without Cave Ellis, I think they've really been, they've really been rolling this Towns County team. And now they go on and they see Irwin County, who 69-66, this is a tight game with Mitchell County. They weren't able to blow him out. So Irwin County, um, I don't know. I got Irwin County making it to the Final Four, but I'm not super 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 surprised if towns county wins but i do think cape ellis i don't know if he's back i with that separated shoulder in the region championship if he's not back i think that is still a huge loss but if they've been winning these games without him that's even more impressive this towns county team is very good colby moss gets to the rim jake mctaggart's a big strong player uh, Irwin County is going to challenge them with their athletes, but Towns County has seen some athletic teams throughout the year. Social Circle has some bouncy players. Um, I'm going to stick with my original pick of Irwin County, but I really do think Towns County can win this one. But I'm just going to go with Irwin after that scare with Mitchell County. Um, I'm going to roll with Irwin County. Top right-hand side, Social Circle gave Hancock Central everything they could handle. 58-68, but fell short. And now Hancock sees Terrell County, 58-49 winner over Lanier County. Terrell County, 9-0 overall. Haven't played too many games, but Hancock Central hasn't played too many more. They're 13-1. Really good game here. Really good game here. I'm trying to see if these two teams possibly hooked up last year during the title run. And it looks like they they avoided each other, so they did not see each other. Um, But it's... It's it's going to be interesting to see here. I mean, Hancock Central is the defending state champs. They are a very good team. Jamal Taylor and Leroy Wilson, those are two good players, and especially Jamal Taylor. He's legit. You could put him on a lot of teams across the state, not just in 1A public, and he could do some damage. He's a, he's a, real, he's a really good player, really good player, and was really impressive over the summer. So I think he is going to be key for this team. He's going to have to lead them as well or lead him again, as he always has done. But Terrell County, that's a deep team that can go five five guys, give you 10 or 12 points a night. Um, they're going to attack. I know uh, Jamal Taylor, he is averaging his uh, 17 points per game. Leroy Wilson, 18 points and provides some rebounding. And then also McQuavious Lawrence, about six foot one, six foot two forward, um, six foot one on a good day. Uh, but he does a nice job inside just finishing baskets. But I don't know. I'm, I'm going with Hancock. They're the defending state champs. But I think Terrell, Terrell County, is they're deeper. They have more size. They might have a couple more athletes here. Um, but I'm going to roll with Hancock uh, Central just because Hancock Central, um, the Bulldogs, they are the defending state champs. And I believe in Jamal Taylor in close games. So I'm going with Hancock Central. Bottom right-hand side, Dublin 61-42 over Turner County. And we had a scare, everybody. The unbeatable Drew Charter Eagles were down 15 points to Lincoln County early. But then they cranked it up, took a lead into the half, and maintained about a 10-point lead throughout the second half. Won 76-67. Lincoln County played a hell of a game. 
and they hit a bunch of outside shots. And Franquan Sherman's really good, and Caleb Wills is good too. But that is a thing that we saw. Drew tried to. I mean, I thought they've seen enough athletes and big players and good teams, but Lincoln County, you know, they sit in that zone, but they are a big zone. Sherman six seven, um, Willis is six five. Um, so those two guys right there, um, you know, they were they were big, and they both of those guys when they had to switch out to man to man, both of those guys guarded Jacquez um, Thornton, who is only about six foot, and Jacoby Strozier, who you know he's big for his size, six four, but. You know, you did have six seven and six five guarding them, and they were able to do some things and kind of, you know, make it difficult. But Jacquez Thornton again, he was way too good. He had a, a a monster game. I mean, he he is a player of the year in Class A public. Had thirty six points. Uh, just leads his team no matter what. He he's just really really good. Thirty six points. Uh, and now they're going up against Dublin, and Dublin, they're going to put up a fight. Now, this game being at Drew Charter, that's that's big. That's huge for Drew Charter. And they're not going to allow fans. And that is, you know, kind of whitewashes it a little bit. Where you know, But if this game was at Dublin, they were going to have fans there. And there were going to be a lot of fans. And it was going to be a hostile environment. But Drew Charter, they win that coin flip there. The universal coin flip, bottom seed, bottom side of the bracket gets that top seed. And now they're going to be able to play in an empty gym. But they're going to have to be prepared. Taekwon Davis averaging 16 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. Solid guard. He, you know, Great measuring stick game for the senior. He's going up against the two best guards, two of the best guards in Class A public. Zion Davis has averaged over 10 points per game. Um, you're looking at Natavius Bloodsaw, 8 points game. This is a good, well-coached team. This is a very solid Dublin team sitting there at 26 and 1. So 26 and 1 versus 25 and 0. We're talking about a potential state championship type matchup. I'm going with Drew Charter even though they were, you know, they scared me with Lincoln County. I still do think they can be elite defensively and I think just think um, you know, when they need a bucket, Jacques Thornton is going to get them one. I think Dublin is going to make this a physical game. They're going to make this a close game. I could see this um you know, as far as deficit, like a nine-point win over Lincoln County, Drew Charter had, I think this could be a, a single-digit game. And what, this is, gosh, just looking at Drew Charter's schedule, let me pull it up real quick. Quick, I think they've only played three single-digit games all year. That's how dominant um, this team has been. Now, they did play in a, a fairly weak uh, region, but they did go out and play some pr- pretty decent teams, um, at least average teams. I mean, looking at it now, some of these teams didn't turn out to be too good, but they, they they played some some teams. I mean, still that that win over Roswell, who was a a you know a state tournament berth team in seven A, beat them by thirty points. That was something else. But other than that, you know, just looking at it, maybe their their schedule wasn't as difficult as it may have seemed uh, earlier in the season. But yeah, that that win that's just the uh, the third time all season they have played a single digit game. So what does that tell me? What happens? when Dublin is able to play them close? What happens if they do make this a close game and they do have this single digits? And what happens if Drew Charter does face adversity? Well, we saw it against Lincoln County. It was in the first quarter, first half, when they were down 15. They blew past it. But what if there is adversity in the second half when the, the clock is not on your side? Very interested to see what would happen in that scenario, if any team can push them to that scenario. Um, but, uh, you know, Drew Charter's just been they've been so good all season long, and I, I, I'm, and I'm sticking with them. They're my my state championship pick. 
Um, but I do think Dublin is going to make this an interesting game. They're going to give them everything they can ask for and more. But I do think Drew Charter, they find a way to win this one and advance on to the final four. That is the Elite Eight podcast. Every boys game predicted and previewed again. I'm not expecting to get every single game right. That's pretty much impossible. But great time of year. The February frenzy is in full swing. And I do feel like this is going to be a great weekend of basketball, great week of basketball. So get out there, support your kids. If you're able to follow me on Kyle at KyleSandy355 on Twitter and SandySpiel.com. Follow CTC Athletics on Instagram for all the highlights across the way. So I already started working on my All-State teams. I know that's going to be a bear, boys and girls, but stick with me. Until next time, Final Four podcast coming up, which is a shame since it's going to be at home seeds. We're not going to have neutral sites, and you know Final Four weekend was my favorite weekend. You see so much basketball, but stick with me. Final Four preview podcast will be coming up as soon as the Elite Eight is over. Look forward to it. Wash your hands and be safe out there. February frenzy time. We're almost to the finish line.